Well, good morning once again. Glad you're here this morning, folks. Um, hey, question, just as I get going here. How many um, grew up kind of with the stories of the Bible, kind of in your family tradition? People were telling stories. Maybe you're going to church on a regular basis. So yeah, like the Bible is somewhat of a familiar territory. Just curious, how many didn't grow up with the Bible at all? And so it's like, Bible? Huh, I don't have much. Okay, good. Appreciate that. We're kind of a diverse community. Um, uh, so let me ask you this. Um, for those that, well, actually, this question applies to everyone. Whether you heard about the Bible, grew up with it or not, how many have had good experiences with what you've heard or you've learned, whatever, within the Bible? How many would say, man, I've got some favorite passages. I've got some stuff that really inspired me. Great. And how many have kind of a love-hate thing going on with the Bible? You hear someone start quoting and you're going... I don't know if I want to hear this right now. Okay, good. There's, yeah, there's a mixture. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Man, it's, uh, it's content can be confusing. I hate, look at it. I'll be the first to say, I got, some, I got some passages of the Bible that speak to me in my darkest hour. They resonate with me when life is going well. They can come alive. I have some good parts of the Bible that I hold tight. There are other parts, I'm not sure what I want to do with those. There's some, and hey, we've invested a lot of our life trying to understand it and unpack it and decode it. There are parts where I'm still like, question marks, question marks. There's stuff in there that I wish wasn't in there. Because people bring it up and they go, hey, what do, you, what do you say about that? And I go, oh, that is screwed up. <laughs> its content can be confusing. If I'm really honest, some of it's downright disturbing. You can read stories in the Old Testament and the Hebrew Bible of God-ordained genocide. Let's give that a go. You can read passages that reek of misogyny. There's polygamy. You can read passages where people are having sex with fallen angels, of child sacrifice, not to mention a bunch of different stories that seem to contradict modern science. So it shouldn't be really surprising to anyone that's done a fair amount of reading within its pages, that it's difficult. And many struggle to find it even useful. I would be lying if I, if I didn't say that every now and then, someone from within our community will say, why do you guys insist on talking, using the Bible? I get it. They'll often ask, like, how, how do you think it's relevant to our life? That is an archaic book. And it has issues, yeah. And yet, it's hard to deny the fascination that humanity has had with this archaic book. This ancient collection of stories and poems and prophecies and proverbs compiled by countless authors spanning multiple centuries 
thousands of years. The Bible has been translated into more than 2,000 languages. Its tales have inspired the art of Shakespeare and Steinbeck, even Blind Willie Johnson, man. You can, you can find quotes on people's dating profiles. Like that Bible has somehow woven its way into every nook and cranny of the known world. How do you explain that? Today we're crossing over, Vince mentioned, from one series that we've been doing for the last, oh geez, three months, called The Stories That Have Changed Our World. And we're shifting to this other series called Watering Our Worlds. This morning, um, I thought it would be a perfect time to demonstrate how we interact with the Bible here at Friends Church. This is when we pull back the covers, there is a particular way that we read and look and study the Bible and talk about it here at Friends Church. And I thought I would talk about that while telling you one of the most famous stories of the Bible that I think is probably one of the most problematic. I mean, there's many that will use this story to say, are you seriously going to take the Bible seriously when you got that story in there? What do you do with that? So hopefully I can show you how an ancient story with all kinds of issues can still provoke deep thought in the lives of people in their spiritual journey today in 2023. I don't know if you know this, but Friends Church has six core values that we've built this whole organization on that shape and influence how and why we do what we do. One of them has been devoted specifically to the Bible. This is what we say. We value the Bible. We believe the Bible is the best of the best of our spiritual and ancestors' accounts. It's the best of the best of our spiritual ancestors' accounts. What they saw, what they felt, what they perceived and believed about God and spirituality. It's their accounts. And we believe that their spiritual accounts can enrich our lives even thousands of years later. That's how we view the Bible. This morning, I want to show you exactly what I mean by that. So let's get to the story. It's the story of Jonah and the whale I want to tell. How many are familiar with Jonah and the whale? I often will ask people, um, or, you know, something will come and they'll go, oh, Jonah, yeah, I know that story. Guy gets swallowed by a whale, right? Survives three days in the belly of the whale. You lost me at the three days in the belly of the whale. Sorry, can't buy it. I get that. I have personally a tough time suspending my belief. Uh, my family all knows I don't do well with science fiction. I'm sorry for all you sci-fiers out there. I just have a problem imagining my world. Now, these days it's getting crazier and crazier, and maybe that's going to change. But man, for the most part, and high action movies, the Tom Cruise, the Jason Stathams, I watch a guy jump off some bridge onto the top of a train that's moving at how long, and oh, oh, he's okay. Oh, yeah, no. As soon as I see stuff like that, I go, oh, I'm out. I can't do this. So when people say, I'm out at Joan and the Whale, I go, yeah, I, I understand. However, if you were to approach this story like the old American, Native American storyteller, 
who would begin a story by saying, now I'm going to tell you a story. I don't know if it actually happened, but it's true. If you approach the Bible in this way, you might be able to get far enough to experience the true, the truth within a story. All right, let's get to the story. It begins with the character God approaching a guy named Jonah one day. Now, I don't know what happens in your mind when you picture God, that character God, talking to a guy. Maybe your picture is like Morgan Freeman talking to Jim Carrey. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you go, oh, yeah, yeah, that's what I envision. Um, a lot of people have a lot of different pictures of going, but imagine, imagine for a second, there's a conversation going down and God is talking to this guy named Joseph, uh, Jonah saying, look, I need you to deliver a message for me. Could you take this message to this city of Nineveh and give it to the people of Nineveh? Jonah didn't want to do it. In fact, Jonah not only wasn't going to Nineveh, he headed in the opposite direction. Rather than going to Edmonton, man, this guy booked a boat to go to Lethbridge. I know when I was younger and I read this story or heard of this story, I just thought Jonah was a jerk. I thought, man, God's just asking you to do him a favor. It's apparently these people are in a bad situation. God can't ignore the situation anymore. Just throw me a bone, go up there and give them some news and help them. Jonah says, forget it. What the story doesn't explicitly tell you is that Jonah was an Israelite. And the people of Nineveh, also known as the Assyrians from the region of Assyria, they were enemies of the Israelites. Israelites hated Assyrians. So to say that Jonah would have been repulsed by the assignment might be actually an understatement. I can see him looking Morgan Freeman in the eyes and saying, you're kidding, right? It'd be like him saying, you're asking me, a Jew, to go help the Nazis? Our worst enemy? Those hated infidels who have raped and killed our women and our children, who've burned our villages, pillaging them? You want me to go to the center of that beast and do something good that would help them? I don't think so. I think he would have died rather than taking on that assignment, or at least almost. Foreshadowing of the story. So anyways, he runs in the opposite direction rather than going to Edmonton, again, to Lethbridge, And I'm betting probably if you're in his shoes, you would have likely done it too. I think we've all maybe had similar experiences. You know, many years ago, I was playing hockey with the same group of guys I still play hockey with, and we had an altercation. I had it with a guy that I'm just going to call Larry for the sake of discretion. I don't know what it was about Larry, but from day one, this guy just seemed to have it out for me. Years back, even from the first time I met this guy, and I don't know what, 
But I would get on that floor and it just seemed like he would go extra hard against me. I'd go into the corner going after and he would come in, his stick would be high or he'd be hacking my ankles. We'd get in front of the net and he would just be giving me the business from behind. It just, it just seemed like he had a chip on his shoulder toward him. And it wasn't just on the floor. Sometimes we'd be out over, over beer and he would mock religion. Just like in a way where it felt like he was kind of looking at me and wanting everyone to laugh at my expense. At times, he mocked my profession. I'd be lying to you if I didn't tell you I had a little bit of an attitude toward Larry. There wasn't a lot of love lost between us. I didn't have his phone on speed dial. Let's put it that way. You got a Larry in your life? I want you to just take a moment to think about this because I'm betting you do. If you haven't, you've probably had one at one time or maybe will. Might have been a manager at work, an ex. Maybe a neighbor who's insensitive. Co-worker, an in-law. Maybe there was some kind of judgment, some kind of critical words, situation where hurtful things were done. Maybe it wasn't even to you, but to someone you loved. And now you got an issue with someone, with Larry or Betty. I don't know. I I just picked these names. I I was trying to think of a name that everyone just wants to hate. And Larry didn't do it, but I couldn't come up with something better. So Larry it is. Whatever, whoever it was, you just feel kind of justified in doing something unhelpful toward them. Or maybe it's just you just don't want to do anything kind to them. You don't want to go above and beyond in any way. This question, if you just stand back, it asks, who are the Assyrians or the Ninevites in your life? It can. Do you have one? Just keep it handy. That person. Who are the ones you feel justified to hate, to write off, to refuse to help? Back to the story. So Jonah says, forget it. I'm not helping them. Now, what's fascinating to me is to think about how this story would have landed with the original audience, where this story is being told again and again. It's a reason, there's a reason why it lasted thousands of years. They were telling this story again and again. And I'm betting with some of those original audiences, when they heard that Jonah said, screw you, God, I'm not doing that. I'm going the opposite direction. I'm betting that most of the original audience, those Israelites, were cheering cheering that on. They're going, that a boy, Jonah, stick it to him. Good for you. I bet he was a hero in that story. He's going, he's doing the right thing. You protect your people. You don't help our enemies. I'm betting. Hmm. Let me ask you something. Have you ever felt the nudge? You noticed an opportunity, maybe with the Larry where you could kind of, it's like a fork in the road. You could, you know, the conversation comes up about Larry. I'm sitting over beer and Larry leaves or Larry doesn't show up that day. And someone brings his name up and you got that moment where you can say something kind or you cannot say anything at all. Or you could tell a Larry story. You know what I'm talking about? 
Those moments where the high road and the low road all of a sudden become apparent. And you go, well, I know what road I feel like taking. I think I'm taking that one. I'm going to Tarshish. I ain't going to Nineveh. Yeah. So one night I'm playing hockey. And of all people, Larry gets sprung on a breakaway. And I'm covering him. He's my man. He gets past all our defenders and he's running himself on the goalie. And I'm thinking, not on my watch, pal. (laughs) And I am doing everything I can to run down Larry before he gets his shot off. But he's got a step on me, which often means that if you swing your stick out to hit the ball, you're going to miss the ball. And likely that stick is going to wrap around and catch some guy in the legs. The safe option is if you can't hit the ball, you don't swing. That would be the high road. But I didn't like the high road option. And I swung my stick out, catching him right between the legs. They call this a can opener. Because it does just nasty things to metal, right? It just, (laughs) and it did. Holding my arm, or the stick on my arm on one hand, and then it going between his legs, the force of his legs running as hard as he was, literally snapped my stick in half. But the damage it did to his legs was ugly. The stick snapped, we both went down, and I got up instantly defending myself, saying, I went for the ball, I went for the ball, and everything got quiet. He was swearing, he was looking at me. I went back to the bench, and I'm, I'm, I'm doing everything I can to defend myself, but you know what? Down deep inside, I knew I just, I went down a notch. I went, I went and took the low road. And I knew that because guys were quiet. Normally they'd say, hey, he had it coming. You know, I know, hey, there's nothing wrong with that. And they said nothing. I knew. I knew I took the low road. You know, sometimes it's just easy to justify taking the low road, isn't it? Gossip, passive-aggressive behavior, just those little things that can be so subtle that just can make life miserable for someone. Sometimes it's full-blown retaliation. Sometimes it's violence. Sometimes it's a stick between the legs. Anyways, back to the story. This is where Jonah's story gets trippy, I'll admit. He heads down to Tarshish, and in order to get down there, he's got to board this boat, gets on the boat, and all of a sudden, this storm picks up, and it's ugly, bad. To the point where they're thinking they're going to die. The boat's obviously taken on water. And back in that day, there was this belief that big, powerful storms, acts of nature, were caused by the gods. The gods were pissed off. So the first question, when all of a sudden things are so crazy, the question everyone's asking on the boat is, who pissed off God? Because someone did. That's why we're all about to die. So fess up. They figure out it's Jonah. Jonah even fesses up. It's me, guys. I said no to God. Now, step out of the story for a second. Does God cause storms? Back in that day, they believed. Nowadays, we realize the weather patterns are a result of many different things. Step over that detail, will you? 
their understanding of God and nature and the world at that time is what we read in these pages. So they go, all right, Jonah, you're the man. You did this. You're going overboard. You're the sacrificial lamb, pal. Bye-bye. And they throw him overboard. Amazingly, the storm calms right down. They've appeased the gods. And they're happily sailing on. But Jonah, his problems have only begun because, yes, the whale comes in and swallows Jonah. Jonah's in the belly of the whale going, oh, no, this is a problem. And while he's down there, he, uh, he cuts a deal. He says, God, if you can get me out of this thing, I'll go to Nineveh. I'll do what you wanted me to do. Amazingly, the fish spits him out. Now, I've had the craziest conversations with people about these very details. From the width of the esophagus of a blue whale. Uh, to On and on. How could this... Po- skip over the detail of him being swallowed by a whale. Because the point of the story, hopefully, you'll realize the truth in the story has very little to do with him being in the belly of the whale. Anyways, skip over that story. Jonah washes up on the shore. Amazingly... People say his hair would have been singed off from all the acids in the stomach of the way. On and on and on. Okay, fine, whatever. So he's looking like he's in rough shape, but he goes to Nineveh and he sends the message to the people of Nineveh. And he says, look it, you guys are doing some nasty things and you've got to stop it. Now you would think an Israelite going into that camp would really incite riots, but it didn't, according to the story. In fact, the people, the crowd of Ninevites who were listening to Jonah all of a sudden leaned in and went, shh, 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 what's he saying? And he delivered this message and they were receptive. They went, oh my God, we're not doing the right things. In fact, their king comes out and says, we're making changes, folks. Ninevites, No more doing some of the bad things that we've been doing. (laughs) This is unbelievable. The bad guys in the story, the Nazis, all of a sudden, change their tune. And they're going, we're not going to be bad anymore. Now, can you imagine the audience who is listening to this story going, dude! Jonah, what are you going to Nineveh for? Jonah goes there, and he gives a message, and all of a sudden, the bad guys in the story are no longer that bad. They're like going, okay, we'll be good. Can you imagine even what Jonah is thinking in that moment? He's like going, no, 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 no. You're not going to just change your tune now. You've been bad all along. You're going to stay bad. Jonah comes out. He's pissed off now. And Morgan Freeman shows up. God starts talking with Jonah. And Jonah's angry. And, Jonah, and God's going, what's the matter? He's like, I knew this was going to happen. You're this kind, loving God. You're going to give them a second chance. And then look at They go and take it. You might as well kill me, he says. Oh, now this is a crazy story. Here... You got these categories, bad guy, good guy. 
Then partway in the story, you're going, well, this Jonah is kind of a jerk. And those Ninevites, they're not that bad. Look it. They're doing the... Wait a second. Homer says... Huh. Scrambles the categories. It's amazing how in this world we often want to demonize people. We want to dehumanize them. We want to make them less and less of a human so why we can hate them more or not do the right thing, take the high road. As long as they're looking like a monster, I am very justified in taking the low road. But it's crazy. This story just flips all the categories and says, ah, 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 oh, you had a hate on for the Ninevites? Just wait. It's interesting what God says in response to Jonah. He says, why can't I change my attitude, my mind, my feelings toward Nineveh from anger to pleasure? This big city of more than 120,000 childlike people. Oh, talk about blending and, and mixing and blurring the categories. Who don't yet know right from wrong. And forget just all those people. What about all the innocent animals? If I torch that town, think about all the innocent people in there. The innocent animals. Here's God kind of pulling out a psychological chapter on John, Jonah going, wait, 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 wait. Look at these people through a different lens. Oh, man, this would have been the most confusing story to that original Israelite audience. They're going, man, I don't know who to hate now. It's confronting, it's confronting their labels and their categories. Let's go back to my hockey. So I hurt Larry. I hurt him bad. He didn't, he didn't come back the next week. He didn't come back the following week. And now I'm kind of getting nervous. Guys are saying, hey, where's Larry? You okay? Jeff, have you talked to him? Have you heard anything? Mm, no. I haven't. Are you, are you going to talk to him? Yeah. Yeah, I'll reach out to Larry. I'll check on him. I didn't check on Larry. I didn't want to check on Larry. In my mind, he had it coming. Larry never came back. Ever. couple years later, Larry and his wife had a baby. And their baby was born with some serious birth defects. And within the first year of that baby's life, the baby died. It was almost his first birthday. We found out through another friend. One night over beer, someone told that story. In that moment, Larry turned from this monster to a dad. 
like me. I have boys. At that time, my boys were younger. And that killed me. And I thought about this. Villainizing this monster that he'd become and how in that moment, everything changed. I reached out to him by email. And at that point, I felt so stupid. I was too embarrassed to call him. Too ashamed. But I reached out an email and offered every bit of sympathy I could. Never heard from him. Not surprisingly. You know, the story of Jonah and the whale it can challenge these categories, can't it? Poking us in the chest when you feel you're so justified to villainize and dehumanize that person over there. And it says, wait, 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 wait. Who are you? How willing would you be to extend an olive branch to Larry? How attached are you to your need for vengeance or retribution? How bad do you need to conquer that person or to come out the winner or the good guy? The story of Jonah and the whale asks, do you really want a better world? Or do you still need to be right? Do you want peace? Do you want reconciliation? Do you want a better world? Or do you just need to win? Are you just going to perpetuate the cycle of violence? of gossip, of hatred. You see what I mean? If you read this story, not literally, but more than literally, it can actually provoke some crazy introspection. It can get inside your wheelhouse and mess with things. It's like that Native Indian, Native American storyteller I'm going to tell you a story. I don't even know if it actually happened, but it's true. You see, this is how we approach the Bible around here. We're not going to defend all the different parts that are problematic. We're not going to gloss over things and make it sound as if, oh, uh, that's not screwed up. No. Because something doesn't need to be factually accurate to be true. What we're going after is more than literal truth that can be found within the pages of this book. We value the Bible. Maybe you're one of the ones that has allergic reaction every time you hear us quoting from it or you hear someone using it. And don't get me wrong, the Bible has been used to validate a lot of brutal, brutal things in our world. I'm not making excuses for any of that. All I would wonder is, if you're showing up, if you're listening to this podcast, if you're watching the live stream, are you willing to open yourself up to something that might reveal something inside you that needs to change?
to become your more true person. So, if there's a Larry in your life, maybe this week you might be willing to blur the categories a bit, humanize them a little bit more, or her. Go easy. Put the finger pointing away. Turn it internal. May you and I this week, we consider carefully how we'll respond to the Larry's in our world. That's all I got. All right, that's the message. I'm going to close up, and I want to I wanna just close up with an announcement, and then we'll let you go. Next week is, is Water Sunday. If you haven't been around here, if you're just visiting today for the first time, um, so we rent this facility from uh, the Temple B'nai Tekva, a Jewish community. And we get along with them famously, but they're beginning their high holy days right away here. And so we won't be able to meet here next Sunday. And we thought rather than just saying, oh, take this Sunday off, we'll see you in a couple. We thought, no, we believe in making our world better. And we believe we can make our world better by taking what we call water. It's anything in you that the divine can use to make your world better. And so we said, let's, let's use this Sunday intentionally to challenge our community to take water in whatever way they want. Now, we came up with a few ideas. A couple really landed and resonated with our people. One of them didn't. The bocce ball went away. People going, no, I can't, I can't see it. But we had a couple others. The in from the cold, this serving a community that are in, vulnerable, uh, serving them a hot meal and taking care of them. That was one of them. We have another opportunity. So that was one. We invited people. And people started signing up like crazy. The times changed. It's challenging on a Sunday to line these things up. Times changed to an afternoon slot. There's some spaces left there. There's another opportunity that we have. Now the organization's blank. I'm blanking. Sorry? Heart Home Network, yes. And we're, um, so this opportunity is designed to help um, women who are escaping abusive domestic violence. And so this organization has a number of different rooms where they can come and live. And it's transitional. And so there's women that are moving out and then there's ones that are coming in. The style and the configuration of the rooms that they're going to be coming in and living in changes. And so they need to stage these rooms so that these women can come in and kind of feel like they're at home for six months to a year at a time. So they're at that point next week where they need to go in and stage a number of rooms for these moms that are, that are fleeing violence. So we need some people who know how to walk in, not just lug some furniture around, but make it feel like home for these women. If you would like to sign up for that assignment, do it. Now, beyond those two, what we began to realize is people are saying, no, I got my own idea. Some people told me they're going to the hospital. They have a friend that's going through some treatment. They're in there. Some people are saying, no, I am getting together with my grandmother who I've been saying, I, I, I need to spend time. I'm going. Some, some people have already planned these different outings. We want to encourage, I don't care what you do, honestly, but just fricking take water. All right, we got, a, we got a day next week. Devote yourself to going out there and doing something that will make a difference. If, it wants, if you want to jump on with one of our causes, awesome. If you want to find your own, 
great. But one thing you're going to find out about in this series coming up is water is what we think is the point. Loving action in our world that makes our world better, we think, is, is ultimately the point of our spirituality. So get out there and do something with it, all right? Good, that's all I got. And uh, have a great week, everyone, all right? Get signed up and we'll see you back here in two weeks for the start of our Watering Our World series. Actually, part two. Today was part one. All right. Peace out.